following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. My eyes are dry, my faith is old, my heart is hard. My prayers are cold And I know how I ought to be Alive to you And dead to me What can be done For an old heart like mine Soften it up with oil and wine. The oil is you, your spirit of love. Please wash me anew in the wine. My faith is old, my heart is hard, my prayers are cold, and I know how I ought to be alive to you and dead to me. Today's sermon is pre-recorded. Entering into the sufferings of Christ. Lord, open our hearts today to hear your word. For it is a word from you, Jesus. I pray that the soil will be rich and soft. That this seed planted today will grow. And produce a hundredfold for your kingdom. Lord, I glorify your name today. And together with my brothers and sisters, enter with joy into your suffering. I pray in your holy name. Amen. It seems that all of life is about avoiding suffering trying to grab a little bit of pleasure and joy along the way. And so to make it a little easier, we have health insurance. We have auto insurance. We have life insurance. We try to ease the burdens of life. But all of us are faced with similar sufferings. The suffering when a relationship breaks and a family is split and divided. The suffering that comes as a child rebels. The suffering that comes as 
our boss doesn't see the excellence of our work and promotes another. The anguish of being unemployed. The terrible struggle that goes on in the soul when we face the death of a loved one. The loneliness of a man's heart when all he desires is the love of his wife and she gives that love to another. Suffering is on every hand. We live in a, in a war zone that we try to pretty up with flowers, just like they do at a funeral. We try to make what is ugly beautiful so that we can survive the sufferings. These sufferings are common to all men. We have ways of laughing at the pain that we see before us. But the fact is, all of us have disappointments. We have heartaches. We have the impossibility of moving forward with the dreams of our hearts. If we had our way, we'd all have the dreams accomplished. And then when you get to be 50, 55, 60, you begin to say, maybe these dreams aren't going to ever happen. If I couldn't get them when I was strong and young, how can I get them now when I'm old? And you have to begin making peace with some of those dreams that you had that you now recognize were unrealistic. But didn't everybody say, go for your dream? Yes, they did. What they didn't tell you was that the joy was supposed to come out of going for it, not getting it. And so we come to church. And that's supposed to comfort us and encourage us while we then can go out again for the week and pursue our dreams. Come to church and get a word of inspiration. Pick me up encouragement. People have said to me, Pastor, I come to church empty. I need to be filled again when I come. So they can go back out into the battle. As long as we participate in the battle against suffering, our lives will be so full that we will have no room for the sufferings of Christ. As long as our time and our energies, as long as our thoughts are occupied with our own sufferings, we will have no ability to enter into the sufferings of Jesus Christ. I know already you have enough suffering in your own life to last you a lifetime. Some of you have lost husbands or wives or children. I've lost a wife and I've lost a child. I know about that. We all have a great reservoir of pain and sadness, that if we dove into it, we would be dissolved in tears. All of us have great disappointments in our heart. If these things occupy our time and energy, 
we will have no ability to enter into the sufferings of Christ. And if in our pain, we then try to find enough drugs to numb out the pain, and so we do so with whether it be the drug of ice cream or the drug of television or the drug of hard work or the whatever the drug is that we try to grab a hold of to prevent ourselves from collapsing, then we will have no hunger for Jesus Christ. We'll only desire the next fix to bring us momentary relief from the pain of our heart that we're experiencing. And so what I'm going to talk with you about today is not going to help you deal better with your pain. Many times I've been at the bedside of a dear man or woman as they've died, or a child as they've died. And often they say, I'm so tired. I just need to rest. I'm so tired. And the pain is so great. I just need relief. And finally they pass. And you know what the relatives and the loved ones say at the funeral? They're in a better place. It's good that they've passed because now they're at rest. Have you ever heard those words or spoken those words of comfort? Today, I'd like to speak just one word of comfort for you in the pain you're experiencing in your life. Why don't you just go ahead and die? Why don't you just go ahead and die? Dead men and women don't suffer the pain of this life. They're at rest and they're at peace. We don't have to wait until our physical bodies die before we die to the pain and anguish that's consumed our lives. Let me walk you through some deep water in the scriptures. We're going to begin in Romans, the eighth chapter. Romans, the eighth chapter, verse six. The mind of sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. So if we are consumed with the suffering of this age, and we are in that sinful nature, and all we want is a little opium, all we want is a little edge of comfort to encourage us so that we can go back to the battle, we cannot please God. There is a place of death and surrender that every Christian must come to where they finally are willing to utterly and totally give up all control of their life. 
where they give up trying to create tomorrow. Where they give up trying to control or manipulate the physical realm in order to force it to produce for them what they think will make them happy. You, however, verse 9, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. Paul is saying that there is a place that we can step into where the body, the natural man, no longer lives in us and no longer controls us. We step into a place where now the Spirit of God fills us and He controls us. But you cannot have the Spirit so you can control the Spirit. The Spirit comes and He takes charge of our lives, and we're dead. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. Now, please understand, we're talking now about two separate sources of power. If you please, two separate gas tanks. One gas tank feeds the need to avoid pain in our natural life. It desires pleasure. It desires comfort. It desires success. It desires to be loved. And some who walk around in the natural flesh are like sponges, just soaking up love anywhere they can go. And when you're around them, you feel like everything is being sucked out of you. They have sticky fingers. Gimme, 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 gimme. Never get enough. Give me more. Give me more. I've got to have you. I've got to have. I've got to have. They're insatiable, hungry. This is the natural man. And they get a little bit and it burns in them and they can go a little bit further and then they've got to come back and grab and grab and grab and grab. This is the natural man. The natural man never has enough money. The natural man never has enough time. The natural man never has enough love. It destroys relationships because now my wife, what's she supposed to do? Her entire job is to love me, to make me happy. Her whole job now is is to cook for me and to clean for me and to love me in whatever way I want her to. Unconditionally, she's to love me. Until she's drained dry and says, I've had it and I'm out of here. Okay, where's the next one? This is what divorce is about. My needs are not being met. 
And how many people have said to me, Pastor, it's time for me to move on from the National Prayer Chapel. My needs aren't being met here. I take that as one of the highest compliments a person can can pay this ministry. I am not here to meet your needs. I'm here to meet the need of Jesus Christ. But you see, I'm not operating out of this natural gas tank that's always grabbing and reaching and and trying and wanting more and wanting more. And I don't operate out of that gas tank. There's another gas tank over here on the other side. And this is the life of the Spirit. This is where instead of grabbing and grabbing and grabbing, I'm giving and giving and giving. I'm pouring out love. My whole heart is now to love Jan in such a way that she sees Jesus. Everything I can give her, I'm going to give to her. I'm going to support her. I'm going to pray for her. I'm not going to condemn her. I'm not going to put her down. I'm not going to speak harshly to her. Well, what if she's not very kind to me? That matters in the natural. She's not meeting my expectations. She's supposed to treat me such and such. But no, over here in Jesus, I'm not looking for Jan to treat me some special way. I'm looking for some way to love her, to support her, to care about her. I'm pouring out for her. A totally different place. Well, now, wait a minute. I'm going to die if all I do is give. You know, where am I going to get mine? Well, it says here, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. This is why the scripture describes the Holy Spirit as a fountain that opens up in your belly and pours forth water. Remember Jesus as he spoke with the woman at the well. He was speaking of a well of water that was welling up. You never got thirsty. So the disciples come and they have food. And they say, Jesus, here's some food. And he says, no, I already ate. And they're saying, where'd he get food? We went into town to buy the food. Where did Jesus eat? He ate at the table of the Holy Ghost. There's an unlimited supply of Holy Spirit presence that is there available to pour through us. But if that flow is all blocked up with the natural man demanding his rights, demanding his ability to create and shape things according to his desires. I mean, come on, let's be honest. You wake up in the morning and you say, Okay, what do I have to do today? Here's my to-do list. This is what has to be done today. And if I don't do it, I'm not going to survive, so I'm going to do it. I've got to go to work so I can earn money and pay my bills. I've got to go to the dentist to take care of my teeth. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. Okay, let's get it organized. And some people get it organized, and some people just... 
slap every direction, but you know where they're headed. They're headed to take care of themselves, number one. Whole nother way to operate. That man has to die so that we can be filled with the Spirit of God. And as we're filled with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God begins to flow through us. And now it's not a to-do list. Now it's, what's, what's next, Jesus? What's next? I'm on my way. What do you have next for me, Jesus? I'm on my way. But let's go deeper. Verse 12, therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. But it is not to this sinful nature to live according to it. Now, some of you have some very large obligations to the human nature because you still are in charge of your life. And you're afraid that if you don't keep the plates spinning, they're all going to crash. And so you're around juggling everything. You don't have time for God. You don't have time for for quiet time. You don't have time to sit in his presence and weep. You don't have time to fast. You don't have time to do anything but run like a rat in a maze trying to get to the next place you're obligated to be. And when we live that way, we're living according to the sinful nature. It's not according to the spirit. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, or Daddy, Father. You see, the lie that the devil has brought to us is that if it's going to be, it's up to me. That if anything good is going to happen, I'm going to have to make it happen. Or it's not going to happen. Nothing happens without me. I'm the man. I have to earn the money. I have to make it work. I have to do it. That's the natural man. The call of the Spirit is to lay all of that down. To totally give the control of my life into the hand of Jesus Christ. And when that happens, peace reigns in the heart. Confusion is removed from the soul. Verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Do you have a testimony in your heart right now that you are a child of the Almighty God? That you walk in peace in his presence? What is the testimony of your heart right now? Is it the testimony of your heart that you've been trying hard to be a good person and you just haven't measured up? Then that's natural man stuff. Is it the cry of your heart that somehow you've got to try harder this week to do a better job? That's the natural man. 
Are you feeling really bad because of how your failure has impacted your life and the life of your family this last week? That's natural, man. The invitation of Christ is to leave all of that behind. To enter into his peace. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God. And co-heirs with Christ. Wait a minute, I thought Jesus, I thought he owned everything. Do I get half of everything Christ has? It says co-heir. You mean he's not going to withhold anything from me? The devil always told me that if it was going to be, it was up to me. Now, the Lord says, I'll make you a co-heir with me. You will reign with me. Do you understand where the 24 elders from earth are seated right now? Around the throne of God on thrones. The final end of the saved man or woman is a throne to reign with God. As an heir of God. As a co-heir with Christ. But then there's always this if. There's always an if. Listen to the if. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory, before the glory comes... The suffering comes. Now, what suffering are we speaking of here? It is not the suffering of the natural human person. It's not the suffering of the deprivation of food or clothes or money or love or fellowship. It's not that kind of suffering. There is another kind of suffering. It is called in Scripture the sufferings of Christ. I want you to look with me at this. Colossians, the first chapter, beginning with verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church, 
I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but now is disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The sufferings of Christ that Paul says have not been completed yet. There is a suffering that we are invited to enter into with Jesus. Sufferings that yet remain, that need to be filled up. What is that suffering? That suffering is what every follower of Jesus Christ does as he totally gives up control of his life and says, use me for the purpose of allowing every person to know that they can be filled with the fullness of Jesus Christ. So let's work it out in very practical terms, may we? Let's begin with money, since that's always a hot button place. I praise God that there are some of you in this house who have suffered. You have suffered lack in your life because of what you have given to the kingdom of God. If you have never suffered because of what you've given financially to the kingdom of God, then you have not yet entered into the suffering of Christ. We are called to suffer that the name of Christ can be lifted up, that men would know that Jesus wants to be in them. Now, this is difficult because, look, I have my medical bills to pay. I have my family to take care of. I have this obligation and I have that obligation. And I'm taking care of all these obligations so that I won't suffer. And Jesus is saying, will you enter into my suffering? Will you allow your life to be carried away? That the name of Jesus Christ can be lifted up. Let's work it out a little further. This church was given the gift of a radio broadcast. The purpose of that radio broadcast is to lift up the name of Jesus in Washington. The purpose of that broadcast is to tell men and women that they can be free of the bondage of sin and that they can walk clean before God without sin. As one of you said to me, but pastor, I'm about as good as the next guy. I guess we all sin, but we're all trying to do our best. That's the natural man. That's not the spirit man. And so we have a radio broadcast. How do you think that radio broadcast gets paid for? They only take cash. How have you suffered in the prayer closet asking Jesus to bring the money to pay for that radio broadcast? You understand, there has to be a place where we begin to enter into the sufferings of Christ 
that we can say to God, I'm serious with you, God, about what you want to accomplish in this earth. I'm serious enough with you to lay aside my natural life. I will live in the spirit realm with you. The worship service is over and and we're all about to leave. What happens inside of your heart? Do you have somebody you have to go talk to quickly? And what do you do when you get to them? You catch them up on your events from the past week? Do you make plans for going somewhere? Or when the worship service is over, is your heart so full of the Holy Spirit that you just want to go pour out the love of God for a brother or sister and ask them the question, have you died out yet? Has anybody in this church asked you face on, straight up, have you died out for Jesus yet? Isn't it time someone asks you that question? Isn't it time you ask someone that question? Reese Howells, this mighty warrior of God, he'd meet a brother. Almost always his first question was, Are you believing today? Are you believing today? Are you believing what today? What he meant was, are you believing the promises of Jesus so that today you're entering into the sufferings of Christ and by faith you're giving all of your time and energy to the building up of the kingdom of God? Whose kingdom are you building Are you trying to protect the crumbling empire that has been your own? Or are you earnestly, urgently entering into the suffering of Christ that others may know that they can be full of Jesus? Have you ever primed a pump? You know what a pump is, a hand pump. Crank it up and down. Oh, I remember one time as a kid, I raced in the park to the pump. I stood there and I worked that pump and I worked, I worked up a sweat. And dad came and he had a thermos jug of water. I said, daddy, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to pour it down the pump. I said, don't do that. Nothing's coming out. He said, no, you've got to prime it, Ray. What do you mean you have to prime it? Ray, you have to pour water down so it gets on the leathers and softens them so that the pump will draw water out. Do you understand what I'm trying to do with you today is prime you? I'm trying to prime you with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, but you've got to grab a hold of the handle and start to crank it. That flow of water has to come up out of your belly. Living waters have to rise up out of you and flow out of you so that you'll give your time, your money, your energy, everywhere, everything you have, only for the purpose of building the kingdom of God. That's your heart. Now, the first assignment in building the kingdom of God is to sit before Jesus and just learn to minister to his heart. Just love him. 
But you see, if I'm a sponge trying to soak up everything I can, then I'm going to go into the prayer closet and say, Jesus, love me. Change me. Do something to me, Jesus. I need to experience something here, Jesus. What? That's natural man. Jesus wants me to come and allow him to live in me so that out of me flow the waters of living life, the springs of living water. It's not about putting your cup up and grabbing all you can grab. It's about emptying your cup. Well, I can hear some of you now, Pastor, I'm already empty. Well, go ahead and die. And be resurrected in Christ. Die out to this flesh. Die out to the control. Die out to the desperate hunger. Die out to it. And ask Jesus to come and dwell in you. Give him total control and total power over your life. Give up your slurpees. Give up the cheap and the tawdry. Go for the gold. Go for Jesus. So when you come into this sanctuary today, did you come in here like a dry sponge hoping to soak up some of Pastor Ray? Or did you come in here a flowing fountain filled with the presence of God? And all you really want to know is, where's the next place I need to direct my love and my care? There's another passage we need to look at. 2 Corinthians, the first chapter. I'll begin with verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. It's not saying who comforts us in our natural body troubles. The comfort of God is not for the flesh. The comfort of God is for those who will give themselves for the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they can comfort others. This is the pouring out I was describing. Verse 5, for just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. So in other words, we enter into the sufferings of Christ, sacrificing our lives, our time, our money. We sacrifice it all to Jesus Christ. We retain no ownership We enter into that suffering, and suddenly our life becomes a comfort for everybody around us. That unbelieving wife or husband is suddenly comforted by us, not condemned by us. 
We enter into the suffering in their stead. How many times has the Christian inflicted great suffering on another? Because they disagreed with me. That Christian was operating in the natural realm and refused to suffer themselves so they could comfort another. I have to be called by the Lord into the suffering of Jesus Christ that the sweetness of Jesus would flow from my life. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort. Whoa, wait a minute. It's saying that my comfort comes in my suffering when I see another comforted by my suffering. That as I enter into suffering for Jesus Christ, sacrificing myself, that's what suffering is, it's sacrificing myself for the kingdom of God. Others will be comforted by it. And as they're comforted, their comfort becomes my comfort. This produces in you patient endurance. I don't like the sound of patient endurance, do you? I like stuff now, thank you very much. Patient endurance. That's what suffering for Christ produces. Patient endurance. And our hope for you is firm, verse 7, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardship we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death, But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. This last week, Jan and I faced a very painful, painful situation. With tears, we despaired. How is it possible for us to make it through? It's too big, it's too hard, it's, it's impossible. We utterly despaired in the pressure that this could ever be resolved. We went to the Lord. We've given it to him. The suffering remains. We're not not suffering for something between us or in our personal. It's for the kingdom of God. It's a burden we've been asked to bear by Jesus. And it's such a heavy burden, we don't know how to bear it. I can't tell you what it is because if I did, you might step in and do something and I can't let you. It has to be Jesus. It's so heavy, it crushes me. It works patience 
and endurance in my soul. And as I walk with Jan in this very painful place, we're comforted. So I can come and I can smile at you all. I can preach the word. I can love you. Have no judgment in my heart against any of you. Because it's not personal. But it's very personal. Because it means I can't live in the natural. I live in the spirit. And my eyes are on Jesus. And he's my deliverer. And he's the deliverer for his kingdom. In our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we've set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. And there's one last passage we need to read. Philippians, the third chapter. I'll begin reading with verse 7. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Are there any of you here today who are interested in just dying out to your flesh? Who are finally willing to say, I don't care what it costs me. I don't care what I have to do. I don't care where I have to live. I and my house, we are going to serve the Lord When I go to work tomorrow, I'm going to go in obedience to the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to go to that place as a testimony that Jesus is Lord. And I'm going to pour out in that place my very best. I'm going to pour out love. I'm going to pour out comfort. I'm going to pour out all that I am. When I go home, with my family. No words of condemnation, just words of love and comfort. So that means you've got to go clean up after them. That means you have to deal with their harshness toward you. That means you have to recognize that your lover is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Are you willing to give yourself up and let Jesus Christ rule your life? Almighty God, there's a work, Lord, of repentance that you want us to do. 
and confessing every area where we're still in charge and still in control. To utterly give into your hand every part of our life. That we no longer have the freedom to live as we choose to live. That we no longer have a choice to spend our money the way we want to spend our money because we have no money. It's all been given to you, Jesus. And the only love we have to give is the love that you have in us as you dwell in us. For in our natural bodies we're dead, but the Holy Spirit has quickened our mortal bodies so that we still walk upright. Lord, we are living martyrs, living sacrifices. Lord, come and live in these dead bodies. Let your name be glorified in this house today. Thank you, Jesus. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. I live by faith in Him. I'm crucified with the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I Christ now lives in me. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. The life I now live in this body I live by faith in Him I'm crucified with the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me I am crucified with Christ Therefore I no longer live Jesus Christ now lives in me I am crucified with Christ Therefore I no longer live Jesus Christ now lives in me 
Jesus Christ now lives in me. Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. We'd love to hear from you. Write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, P.O. Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia 22195, or visit us online at nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. We love you. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, with great joy. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to Present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. Christ alone.